chapter tonight. That was so deep. Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, God. I, mean, I get these Christmas songs going. Now, hey, in my defense, they've been going since August, but at the same time, you know, they're in my heart right now. And so, John chapter 15, and uh, this is a, a very, very, very good passage of Scripture. This is one that I would recommend reading very, very often. But John chapter 15, and this is the seventh reference that Jesus made to uh, saying that I am. This is when Jesus said, I am the vine. I want you to see this, John 15. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And Jesus said, I am the true grapevine, or, you know, the King James say vine. And my father is the gardener. Well, look at this. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. That's exciting right there. Now, listen, if God's pruning you, if, if sometimes like, man, I just feel like God's been disciplining me and pruning me and, 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 and correcting me and like, rejoice, brother. That means that you have potential. God sees something in you. That's awesome. Because if you have no potential, if you bear no fruit, if you are not growing at all, what happens? You get completely cut off. Uh, and if you keep reading the story there, those branches get thrown into the burn pile and you don't want to know what the burn pile is. Okay. And so what I'm saying right now is this, is that when God prunes you, it's so you can bear even more fruit. Now, what is the fruit? Well, we could go into a discussion on that, but certainly we could classify that as Galatians five, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of the spirit. When God is seeing these things in your life, he'll prune you back. I was pruning my lemon bush just a couple of days ago. I had a whole bunch of lemons on there, and I was so excited. And some of the branches that are doing real good, I don't know much about gardening, but some of, the, some of them are growing real big and producing a bunch. So I pruned those back because next year they're going to grow even more. I didn't prune them because, like, I hate these branches. Why can't they be like the loser branches that don't do anything at all? No, I love those ones. So I pruned them back, and they're going to do even better next year. And so mature Christians, they get pruned back a little bit, and they realize, like, oh, man, I'm gonna, th- this is going to help me. This is for my good. I'm going to grow even more, and next year I'm going to have even more fruit. That's the attitude that, that we should be having when we are being disciplined and corrected. And I'll, I'll, I'll go to some uh, explanation in just a little bit of how uh, some of the ways that God will correct you and discipline you. But I guess I should throw this explanation out there. Does God discipline you and correct you by just throwing sickness on you to teach you a lesson? No. Uh, how do we know that? Well, we know very clearly from John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. What? Third John 2 says that, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Jesus is not the author of sickness and disease. That is not how he teaches you. Now, have I learned sometimes from going through some of these things? I have, but it wasn't because God put it on me. The devil did. But I learned, amen, to use my faith. And so never think that because your family is under attack and going through something or your health or your finances, like, man, the Lord's just really, man, he's really threw one on me this week. The loving father does not attack you with things. The devil does. Now, you can grow 
<laughs> and get stronger through some of these things, but only if you will use your faith and, and, and stick and dig into the word of God. Amen. All right. We always have to throw that out there. Now, how do I know about correction? Well, because I've got my butt kicked in a very big and embarrassing public way a few times and it helped me. And I thank God for it. And it wasn't God's first option for me. But in 2011 and 12, um, the Lord needed to correct, correct me on, I mean, just some massive things. I was a good kid, you know, good young youth pastor. But you know, I was carnal. That's the best way I could describe myself. I was just carnal, which means, uh, you know, well, really that word means of the flesh. But uh, carnal meaning that I, I, I wasn't in the spiritual place I needed to be. And God gave me chance after chance to change things. Now, sometimes when I discuss my carnality, some people laugh at me and, and think it's nothing. But I feel like some of the things, the TV shows I watch, the movies, uh, you know, you can laugh at me. But I would watch PG-13 movies, which I don't think that you know, is very good for a Christian to watch, in my opinion. And so I'd watch things like that. And then, uh, you know, that's not becoming of a Christian to see things, uh, hear the F word being used, hear God forbid you listen to movies that say GD. If you listen to that, Lord have mercy on you. Anyway, uh, but things like that. And so I was carnal, and God gave me chance after chance after chance to, to correct and, and, and grow up and get spiritual. And I, uh, for whatever reason, I was just stupid and didn't. And so, and there's probably other, many other things that I, you know, needed to grow up on. So uh, the Lord moved Pastor Katie and I to Indiana back there to help start a youth ministry, and we did. And that was successful. But I thought I was going back there to get my dream life and live where I, you know, grew up and everything. But I wasn't going there for that. I was going there to get a spanking. And uh, <laughs> and boy, did I. And it was embarrassing. But it was the most needed discipline. It changed my life to this very second. That butt kicking and discipline changed my world. And I needed it so bad. And I'm grateful for it. It was embarrassing. And I, I have people even to this day come up and say, is it embarrassing that you missed God by going there? And I'm like, it's embarrassing, but I didn't miss God. Oh, I heard God clearly on that. And, it, and he didn't move me there to, you know, to, to bless me and, and, uh, and make my dreams come true. He moved me over there to pull me to the side. And, and uh, a good parent, if you're going to discipline, you're not, I don't feel you're going to do it in front of everybody. You're going to pull your kid to the side room and take care of business there. Well, that's what God did. And was it embarrassing? Oh, yeah. Super embarrassing. But I'm so grateful. It changed my life. And I'm, I, th I thank God for correction and discipline. Because if he doesn't correct you, you're not very loved. And he sees no potential in you. And so when you get some really big correction and discipline, rejoice because God sees something right there. And he's like, if they will take that, if they will listen to this, they can really, really grow and be productive. And so, yeah, I, I've had some public humiliation, <laughs> but I can look back and laugh now. It was so great. It was awesome. I loved it so much. All right. So uh, let's go here to Acts chapter 10. Can we go over there? And so what I'm going to talk about is the disciples got corrected all the time in the Bible and they didn't cry and quit. They received it and changed. So what I want to look at here is the story of Peter getting corrected. Now, this was after Jesus was already in heaven because Jesus doesn't have to physically be in front of you to correct you. Have you learned that? Who in here have you've had Jesus correct you? You are loved, my friends. <laughs> you are loved. Welcome to the club. Yeah. 
Oh, my goodness. Boy, have I had some correction and some discipline and some, whoo, yeah. But you know what? I've grown from it when I've received it. So Acts chapter 10, and what, what we're going to look at here is the story of Peter uh, receiving some correction. Now, um, if you've read the book of Acts up until now or studied the New Testament at all, you realize that the first Christians were Jewish people, and they were not super in love with the idea of Gentiles, non-Jewish people joining the club. They're like, uh, no, this is for us only. I'm sorry. And, uh, and you know, you can see all throughout the book of Acts, like, some of them were like, no, this is, there's no way Jesus loves them. And so Peter, uh, he was one of the guys that was like, nah, there's no way. There's no way that Jesus wants these guys to, you know, to be Christian. And so he has this vision and it is, it's correction from the Lord is what it is. Now, could God correct you through a dream? Sure he could. He could correct you through a dream. But look at Acts chapter 10 and we're going to look here at verses 11 through 16. And so here's the vision that Peter was having. Verse 11, it says, He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. If God says something's acceptable, don't say it isn't. Come on. Whoa. That's, that's straight up. Verse 16. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And so here's Peter arguing with the Lord in this vision. Like, I'm not going to touch those things. And if you understand the Jewish laws, there are a lot of unclean, impure things that you cannot touch. And so Peter's like, I've never in my life touched those things. And did you see that the vision had to be repeated three times? When God's going to tell you something three times, you better start listening. And so if, if you read the whole story, it's a long story, so I'm not going to read all that tonight. But there was a Gentile man named Cornelius, and he was a Roman officer, it says, of the Italian regiment. And he had a vision himself in this same passage and was told by an angel to go find a man named Peter because this man named Peter had a message for him. And so Cornelius sends three of his men to go find this fellow named Peter. Peter, and they show up just as Peter is coming out of this vision we just read about. They're down there knocking on the door. And then Peter realizes when they come in, you know, and these are not Jewish people, and he was like, whoa, what, what do you want? Oh, my gosh. Peter realizes now what the vision was all about. When God said, if God says something is acceptable, don't you argue and say that it's not. He meant that the Gentiles were acceptable and deserved Jesus too. And aren't you glad the Gentiles deserve Jesus too? I am because, hey, I'm not Jewish by birth. So thank you, Jesus, that you are for everybody. And this was a pivotal moment in Peter's life and a pivotal moment in Scripture because Peter is now on board for preaching to the Gentiles. Skip forward a few verses here. Go down to verse 44. Check this out. And so Peter is now open to sharing the gospel with everybody. And it's not exclusive to one race of people. Thank God. Acts 10 verse 44. 
even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, look at this, were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. They were shocked. They were like, what? Even the Gentiles can get saved and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, how did they even know that they had received the gift of the Spirit? Well, verse 46, where they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. That's when they knew. You can't deny that. Okay, all right, we get it now. But if Peter had not accepted correction, if he had stuck to the way we've always done it, and I've heard at so many different pastors' conferences, those are the last words of any dying church, but we've always done it this way. <laughs> Be open to change. Be open to when God's doing something a new way. Now, when Peter decided, and Peter made this change, and like, yeah, we're going to start preaching to everybody, no matter their race or color or where they're from, everybody gets to hear about Jesus now. Well, it made a lot of the original church members really mad that he was witnessing to Gentiles now. But Peter would rather obey the Holy Spirit than other people's opinions. And so you need to know that not everybody is happy when you receive correction on something and start doing something a different way. I'm going to repeat that because you're going to need that later when your friends get mad at you, okay? So not everyone is happy when you receive correction on something and start doing things a different way. Because I know when I started, you know, making changes in my life, I'm like, I'm not going to watch that anymore. I can't, I don't really want to listen to that stuff anymore. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than us? That who do you think you are? I'm not judging you. I'm just talking about my life. I'm not listening to that anymore. And I started to make people mad. But I found out that I'd rather make people mad than God mad. I would rather offend you than offend the Holy Spirit because I can, you know, I love you, but I can, I can, I can live without you. You know, <laughs> I mean, I can live without people in my life. I can't do this without the Holy Spirit in my life. No way. Uh, no way. I need him every second of every single day. Do you ever see these motivational posters that people put in their offices and stuff? I think they're really cheesy, but I saw a really good one. And it had a picture of the running of the bulls in Spain. And it said, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's not incredibly stupid. And so don't, just because you've always lived your life this way or always done things a certain way, it doesn't mean that it's not incredibly stupid. Maybe you've always done that. That doesn't mean that it was the right way to do it. And so if we're going to grow, we're going to have to think and do differently than we've ever done before. And, hey, I'm, I'm good with that. And I don't like to be, you know, confronted that I'm wrong. But if I'm wrong, I don't want to be wrong. I want to do things God's way because I want to reach as many people with the gospel and the word of faith message that I can before my time's up and I go to heaven. I mean, I, I want to help people. And so the, 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 the third area that we'll look at here is going to be ways that God will correct you. Who wants to look at some ways that God will correct you? And so the first thing we'll say here is through his word. He will use his word to correct you. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. Amen. So I'm glad that you guys are listening to the word tonight, that you're, uh, you're ready to grow. Amen. You're people that you want to you get stronger, you want to get better. 
2 Timothy 3, and we're going to look here at verse 16. Very, very, very important scripture. And it tells us all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Do you want to know what's true? And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. What does it do? It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us what is right. And so it is so important that we, uh, that, that we understand that God's word is here to correct us. All of it is inspired to teach us what is wrong. And so when God takes a verse to correct you, can you argue against that? That's a real question. I mean, you know, if there's a Bible verse that straight up says you're wrong, can you can you argue with God against that and be like, I know it says this, but I feel this way or I no, you I mean, you can try, but you're not going to win that argument because the basis uh, uh, that word the standard is God's word. If you're a Christian, the standard is God's word. And so if it says one thing and you don't agree with it, well, you know, that's on you. But you're not going to argue your case against God and win. I remember one time in college, uh, a friend and I disagreed on something in the Bible. It wasn't a major thing. But one day I was at home reading and I came ac- across a verse that completely proved that I was wrong. It's like, ooh. <laughs> so what I do? Did I hide that verse? No. I went and told my friend, hey, you know, you were right. I, I see this here. I was wrong on that. And I'm, I'm not too afraid to admit it. I've been wrong about things before in the Bible. And thank God uh, he's corrected me. And I've, you know, I'll admit it. I've been wrong on some things. But praise God, I'm always wanting to grow. Another way that the Lord will correct you uh, is through your pastor. Yeah, all right, through your pastor. And so, hey, if dad and I are your pastor, God will use us. If we're not, then praise God, put up with us until you find your pastor. But Jeremiah 3.15, uh, a great verse right here. Jeremiah 3.15. Now, in the King James, it says, I'll give you pastors after my heart. But uh, we're going to look at this in the NLT. I know I'm going a little fast, but I keep doing this thing on Wednesday nights where I go past the hour of power. And so I'm trying to get you you home on time. But Jeremiah 3.15 says, and I will give you shepherds, or as the King James says, pastors after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. They will guide you with knowledge and understanding. Now, I'm sure every one of us has been corrected through a sermon here. Has God ever used a sermon here to correct you and discipline you? Yeah? Hey, it's happened to me. (laughs) He used plenty of sermons in this church to correct me and discipline me and and show me, uh, you know, that I was wrong. And, And praise God for that. I mean... You know, and pe- I, I mean, nearly every week someone comes up to me and like, hey, did someone tell you what's going on in my life? Why'd you preach on that? I'm like, I don't know what's going on in your life. I mean, unless you plaster it on the Internet, then I might. But I don't know what's going on in your life. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at, you know, talk to the Holy Spirit about it. But I don't know what's going on in your life. You kidding me? Anyway, so, and, you know, sometimes your pastor may speak directly and personally into your life to correct you. And we need to receive that just like through a sermon. Now, you guys know me. I'm not trying going around. And, most of you, I've probably never come up and said, hey, you need to fix this. If I have, then God really told me to do it because I'm not invasive and I'm not all up in your business. And, you know, sometimes people are like, hey, do you know what's going on? Like, nope. 
no, thank you. I don't want to know. You know, if I need to know, then I'll know. But, you know, if, if the Lord has dad or I, you know, come and speak something into your life, I can assure you that if I come up and tell you something individually, like, hey, God's telling me to warn you about something, if that ever happens, you would got to know that uh, God really told me to do that because I'm not going around just trying to correct people on things and uh, and speak, you know, discipline into your life unless God really tells me to then I will do it because I love you so much. But it's not that I enjoy going around and, and doing that type. of. That's just not the type of guy that, and pastor that I am. And I know, you know, some of you are talking about your previous churches and stuff. One of you told me that you got a, got a, like a six-month suspension from church. And I'm like, who does that? If you're going through something, your church suspends you? Like you're in high school? Are you kidding me? That's crazy. I wouldn't do that. If you're messed up, I'd be like, no, you need to be at every service for the next six months so you can hear the word of God. But I'm keep you away from church. What are you going to learn from that? That's crazy. Anyway, um, let's keep moving here. But I'm just telling you, hey, if uh, if I was to have to come up and, and, and try to correct you on something, just know that it would certainly be out of love because uh, those that know me know that that is not my comfort zone and not my preferred method of doing things. I would much rather the word of God and the Holy Spirit get to you. All right. Uh, speaking of the Holy Spirit, hey, let her see the Holy Spirit. That's another way that uh, the Lord will bring correction to you. Let's look at John 16, verse 13. Amen. Who's enjoying learning about correction and discipline? Yeah. Amen. It's good stuff. So here we are in John 16 and verse 13. Now, this is all about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that he would lead us, he would guide us into all truth. Praise God. And, uh, and, and, and I want you to see this here, though. John 16, verse 13, because, you know, as a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, and he will speak to your heart. And so often, you know, we'll be like, man, I just feel my conscience is telling me to stop that or to not do that or not go there. Hey, if you're born again, that's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. you got to listen to that. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of you. But John 16 and verse 13, now this is Jesus speaking to us about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. What he has heard, he will tell you about the future. King James says, tell you of things to come. And so the Holy Spirit, he will guide you. And, and if, if, you're, if you're headed the wrong way, he's going to start nudging you and, and trying to get your attention and guide you back on to the right track. He will try to correct you and get you back on the right track. Now, it's really dangerous to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit uh, because after a while, when you begin to just all the time ignore him, what happens? You get calloused. And then after a while, you don't hear him at all anymore. And, and there's things that used to convict you, maybe things that you would do that when you first did it, you felt so guilty and wrong. Because the Holy Spirit was saying, no, get away, stop, that'll kill you. And you felt awful about it. But the more you ignore that and push it away and just ignore his voice, after a while, you'll do those same things and even worse and feel nothing, feel nothing at all. And like, I don't feel, I don't feel nothing. This is fine. I can. And why is that? You have a calloused heart. And that's about the most dangerous spot that you can be in because you no longer feel pain. And pain can be a, a lifesaver. I've heard about children. Uh, in fact, Coach Tony Dungy used to coach 
the Colts. And he, he, I was reading his book. One of his sons was born with this condition where he didn't feel pain. And people are like, oh, that's cool. Man, you can just go out and play football and get tackled. You can jump off of things. And they're like, this is like the most dangerous thing that can happen to you. Because he, this little boy could touch fire, not even realize it's burning his hand off of his body. He could, you know, run into a brick wall or get to have a concussion and, and all this stuff and never even realize it. And people are like, that's so cool. No. That's awful. You will kill yourself. You've got to listen to the voice of God. And when he's saying, stop, 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 when you feel it on the inside, but everyone else is doing it, but God's saying, but not you. I don't want you to do it. What about them? You ever read John 21 where Jesus told Peter, Peter, when you are older, they're going to stretch out your hands and take you to a place that you don't want to go. And John wrote that Jesus was telling this to Peter. He was giving him, uh, he was telling Peter, you're going to die for me. You're going to be crucified. They're going to stretch you out and take you to a place you don't want to go, Peter. And, 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 and all the other guys are like, hey, what about John? You didn't say anything about John. And I, I tell my kids this story all the time. Uh, because uh, Jesus said, what is John's business to you? If I want John to live forever, that's his business. It's not, uh, focus on you. Don't worry about John. Worry about Peter, Peter. And so in your life, I'm going over time now, but God's talking to somebody. So I'm just going to roll with this. In your life, there may be things that even other Christians are doing or saying or seemingly getting by with or whatever, but God's telling you, no, not you. Don't say, well, what about Peter? Uh, wh- wh- what does he get to do it? Shut your mouth and say, yes, Lord, I, that's fine. I won't do it. I won't do it. He's trying to save your life. And I've seen people that have ignored the voice of God and literally died. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm very serious. I won't go into that, get myself in trouble. But I'm telling you, I've seen people totally stiff arm the Holy Spirit and end up losing their life over it. And then people are like, if God's so good, then why did this happen? And I'm like, God is so good that he gave that person chance after chance after chance after chance to receive correction. And they just stiff armed the Holy Spirit. And then everyone blames God and gets mad at God. And God was so loving and kind that he prepared an ark, that he prepared a Noah, that he prepared all these things to try to get your attention because he loves you so much. But after a while, he is also so loving that he'll let you make your own decisions. He won't force you to get onto the ark. If you want to stay out there and try to fight the flood yourself, by all means, he'll let you do it. But don't blame him and defy him and say that God's not good because he is. He gave you a chance. He gave you 500 chances. He gave me 500 chances before I had to move my wife and kids 2,000 miles away to get a spanking in front of hundreds of people. (laughs) But I'm glad he did it in the end. And so he will correct you through his Holy Spirit. But the more that you ignore him, then he'll just, you know, you're not going to hear his voice anymore. All right. One more thing I've got here. All right. Then I'll wind down. I'll wind down. And another thing I'm going to say is through a fellow believer. uh, You can throw this verse on the screen for the sake of time. I'm just going to read it. Hebrews 3.13, talking about you and your fellow believers fellow Christians, it says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Woo, what a verse. We're, we're supposed to 
warn each other while it's still today, while there's still a chance, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Now, when God's corrected me through another believer instead of the Bible or the Holy Spirit or pastor or whatever, it's almost always been through something they said in passing, not them intentionally calling me out and correcting me. It's, I'm just going off my notes now because I'm out of time. It's not your full-time job to go around being, you know, the chief corrector of everybody else. I know somebody, well, God's giving me a gift of discernment. And, you know, usually when I hear somebody say that, I'm like, oh, I know what gift you've got. <laughs> you got a gift of wanting to be the boss. I've had some of those. <laughs> and, you know, like, I've got the gift of discernment. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Like, then how come you can't discern that you need to brush your teeth, huh? Anyway. When's that discernment going to kick in for you, man? Use some deodorant. Take a shower. God. All right? So, you know, now God can use you to directly correct another believer, like when they're in blatant, unrepentant sin. Yeah, I've been robbing gas stations lately. Well, stop that. All right? Come on. I'm going to call you out on that mess. But <laughs> normally, it's not going to be your full-time job to just go around being, you know, the, the, the chief correcting officer, the CCO of, you know, whatever, of the church or wherever it is. Uh, you know, that we're talking about here. So, but the Lord, the biggest way that God corrects me through other believers is usually through their influence in my life. And, and, and just by being around people that are at a sharp and high level spiritually. And usually just their fire will convict me of some things. And I'm like, oh yeah, Lord, I need, I want to, I want to be more like them. I've got a friend in Indianapolis. I, I watch him almost every Wednesday before I come to church here. I watch my friend's sermon in Indianapolis, and Pastor Katie was doing her youth thing. She heard him. She's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, this Pastor Zane in Indianapolis, man. This guy lights me up. And I love him because he's so sincere and passionate about the Lord. He's, he's just very sincere. And, and so I love people like that because they may not speak directly into my life and, and tell me, that, I'm, but, but just... Uh, their level of intensity with God does something to me and, and, and corrects me and, and burns some of the excess off that I need to get rid of. I love it. It's awesome. And so that's why it's so important that you surround yourself with the right people. You know, you need, and I've, Ray Bench told me, you've got to have one hand up and one hand down. You need to be pulling someone up to your level and have your hand up, uh, somebody else pulling you up to their level. And so I'm not only going to surround myself with people that, you know, are uh, at a lesser level than me spiritually. You know, no one's, you know, less than me or, or you. But what I'm saying is if I only surround myself with people that are spiritually immature, uh, I'm helping them all the time. But after a while, I'm going to run out of stuff. I need to be around people that are sharpening me as iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens another friend, the book of Proverbs tells us. And so anyway, surround yourself with the right people. And I'll bet that their fire and their passion and their anointing will just correct some things in you that their words don't even have to say. Amen. I love that. I love growing. I am passionate about growing and becoming a better Christian because the stronger I get in this thing, the more people I can help and the more families we can save and get to heaven when Jesus comes back. Amen. All right. I have got to shut my trap right now. Stand up, people. Don't let me say another word. I have got to quit. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, Josh, come lead us in a song. You know the drill. If you need prayer, come get prayer. All right. You need prayer. Make it quick. Uh, if you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray for you. Have my prayer team come forward.
Amen. Uh, let's see. Heather, can you come up with me? All right. Praise God. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, we would love to, uh, to ag- agree with you and see the Lord work in your life. And uh, amen. If, you, if you're good, just stay there and worship the Lord for a minute. All right. Praise God. Go ahead, Josh. Oh. 